Yes, we're blessed. If you didn't bring a Bible with you today, if you'd raise your hand, the ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Just raise your hand real high. And everybody go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You ready to hear some more about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus? 1 Corinthians 13, you might say, is there something about the resurrection over there? Yeah, just watch and see. 13 and 13, last verse of the 13th chapter. This is called the great uh, love chapter. He describes the qualities and actions and reactions characteristics of love, the love that God is, the love that's shed abroad in the heart of every born-again believer. And he finishes in verse 13, uh, talking about this, by saying, Now abides faith, hope, charity, or that's the word, uh, old English word for love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. The NIV says it like this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Uh, One translation said, These three things last. The New Century Version, the New Century Version says, So these three things continue forever. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. You know, past this life, thousands of years into the future, way past uh, you leaving the body and the Lord Jesus returning and all the things in prophecy being fulfilled, faith is going to be around. It's laughable. Sometimes you hear people talk about, well, you know, the faith movement is passing and God's doing so. Are you kidding me? Faith is not a movement. Faith was going on centuries ago. Faith is going on now. Faith will be going on millennia into the eternity. Right? Faith, hope, love, these are forever. And the greatest of these is love. I want to speak to you for a few minutes about these three, these great three, relative to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see these very clearly, very distinctly concerning His being raised from the dead. Let's look at the first one, faith. Go with me, if you would, over to the book of John and the 20th chapter. John And 20. John 20 and verse 1 says, The first day of the week comes Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre and sees the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runs and comes to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved 
That's John. He's pinning this. <laughs> so he gets to put in his special name. Sounds like Phyllis, don't it? <clears throat> I'm the one he loves. Well, it's good all of us can claim that, can't we? And said to him, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, that's John, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter. <laughs> he had to add that in too. <laughs> I'm the one Jesus loves, and I'm faster too. Again, sounds like Phyllis. <laughs> Speedy. And said, uh, he came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen clothes lying. And yet he went not in. Then comes Simon Peter following. And he didn't stop. He just went right on in. And he saw the linen clothes lie. <clears throat> and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. So uh, when they heard that the Lord's body was not there, Peter and John ran to the tomb. And uh, John got there a little bit ahead of Peter, but he stopped at the entrance and just looked in. And he saw that there's no body in there, but he saw that the, the fabric, the cloth, is folded and, and set aside. Well, Peter just went right on in there, and he's looking. But notice this in verse 8. Then went in also that other disciple. John went on in now into the, the tomb, which came first to the sepulcher. And get this. And he saw, and what? Believed. And believed. From what I can see and ascertain, John is the, uh, of the men of the twelve is the first one. To believe, he believed what? He believed that Jesus had raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody say, he, he, believed. he believed. Say it again, he believed. he believed. We're talking about faith, hope, and love relative to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, what evidence did he have in this tomb that Jesus has raised from the dead? I mean, there's a thousand different things could have happened for the body to be moved, right? right? What kind of proof is it that the garments or the napkin is folded up and laid aside? This is not scientific proof that there's been a resurrection. Right. Did you hear me? This is not, I mean, he didn't have anything that say, oh yeah, it's happened. He saw it. And he made a decision. Amen. Oh, come on, can you see this? He chose to believe. Now, you'll hear people say, well, you know, Jesus being raised from the dead? You know, prove it to me. No, it's not our job. And even if there were reams of so-called scientific proof, you could still choose not to believe. Faith is a choice. Say that out loud. Faith, Faith is a choice. It's a decision. It's a choice. 
Now, by contrast, another individual, one, another disciple, chose not to believe. Do you remember him? <clears throat> Down in the 24th verse, by this time, the, the, the risen Lord has appeared to the, several of the women. He's appeared to several of the other disciples. And so they, they told uh, Thomas that they had seen the Lord. And in verse 24, Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. Now let's just stop right here. These are individuals he knows well. They've been traveling with Jesus for years. Why would, they, why would he think they'd just stand there and lie to him like this? Right? And it's not just one or two of them. It, it, it's several of them. I guess pretty much the rest of them and the women. And they're telling him, we saw him. I'm telling you, we saw him with our own eyes. And these are people he knows and people he trusts. He's got every reason to believe what they're telling him. And yet he chooses not to. Can you see this, friends? What did he say? They said, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, except I shall see. In his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I what? Will not. I what? Will not. I will not believe. Did he choose not to believe? In the face of trustworthy witnesses standing and telling him, friends, people he knew he could trust. In the face of all that, he said, no, I refuse to believe it. I choose not to. I will. Do you hear this word, will? Sometimes you'll hear people say, I, I just can't believe that. That's an incorrect statement to say you can't believe it. You can believe anything you choose to believe. People all over this planet are believing all kind of bizarre and crazy stuff. Right? You don't have to have any Evidence, you don't have any, has no reasoning, has to be no logic. You can choose to believe anything you want to believe or you can choose not to believe. Amen. Somebody say it out loud again, faith is a choice. Faith is a choice. Now see, Thomas, why is he like this? You, you can hear there's actually some pride in his, his voice. He said, I am not going to believe unless I see with my eyes Unless I put my finger in the hole in his hands. Unless I put my hand in where that spear went in his side. He actually has some pride about how unbelieving he is. Doesn't he? I'm not going to believe. I will not believe. We have a whole generation full of intellectual doubters. Do you know what I mean by that? No, you prove it to me. You show me under the microscope. You show me in the telescope. Friend, you could have all kind of witnesses and all kind of evidence and still say, no, I'm not going to believe. Faith is a choice. I said faith is a choice. And you don't need to lean to your own understanding. You need to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. When something comes up in your heart and you know it's real and it bears witness with your spirit and you know this is right. Then make the decision to believe. I said make the decision to believe. You know there's people that say, well I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in this. 
And I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe in that Holy Spirit and these gifts of the Spirit. I don't believe in all that kind of stuff. Well, you won't be bothered with it. Because <laughs> these, these things follow them that believe. I know years ago, my, my, when my dad, who's gone home to be with the Lord, he was a, a, a boy. And my grandmother took him to a meeting of a, uh, an individual who was being mightily used of God in the healing ministry. And he said just as a boy, he was sickly, and so he was in the healing line. And he said there was a woman standing right beside him, had a huge goiter on the side of her head and neck, thing protruded almost as big as her head again. And he saw it, and it's just right there in his face. And he said when he, when the, the man of God got to her and ministered to her before he got to him, he's standing there looking, he's a boy. And he said, man, it looked like you took a, a pin and, and, and just stuck that in a, in a balloon. Looked like the air just went right out of it. Just went right down and just smooth on the side of her head. God. Oh, glory to God. How many believe all things are possible with God and with him that believes? He said, he's standing there looking at it. And then the Lord ministered to him and he was healed. My grandmother was healed in that meeting as well. Thanks be unto God for his healing goodness and faithfulness. The Bible said, I am the Lord that heals you. Nobody has a right to say, take the great I am and say he was. The I am is. Right? But he said on the way out, he was just startled because he saw this. He was right there just, you know, inches away. But on the way out, he heard some men outside talking around the door. And one was telling the other, yeah, they had that framed up, he said. They had that fixed up. So I don't know how they did it, but they had that fixed up some way or another. They stood there and saw it, and yet they chose not to believe it. Right. You can see, seeing miracles doesn't give you faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And no matter how powerfully you hear the word, it's still your choice. Whether you want to believe it or not, I choose to believe. How about you? How many in this place say, I, I, you weren't there? You didn't, you know, that we saw our children portray it so, so wonderfully. Uh, you didn't see the angel come down and roll the stone away. You didn't see the keeper shake and fall like death. You didn't see Jesus raised from the dead. But how many have chosen to believe? You've heard the word, it bears witness with your heart, and you choose to believe. Say it out loud, I choose to believe. I choose to have faith. He is risen. Hallelujah. It's a choice. It's a choice. Let's go to the next one, hope. Hope. Go with me over, if you would, to the book, I believe it's... Uh, Luke, the 23rd chapter. Luke, chapter 23. He said, faith, hope, and love, these three remain. They continue forever. Luke 23 <coughs> Luke 23, you'll see a similar thing as far as what people choose to believe, but you'll see the hope. 
Uh, hope so many times has not been respected the way it should be. Uh, because the words have been used, changed. Uh, you know, as years pass and centuries pass, the meaning of words change. And uh, when we say today, I sure hope so, we don't mean anything like what the Bible means when it's talking about hope. When people say, I hope so, what they mean is a desire. I wish it would be. And I want it to be. I hope so. That is not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about glorious hope. The word hope means a confident expectation. <laughs> You're not wishing and wanting something to happen. You are expecting it to happen. You're not waiting to see if it's going to happen. That's already been settled. You are expecting. And faith will hope when there's no reason in the natural to hope. You know what the Bible talks about with Abraham? He had no reason to hope. Hope was gone, but he hoped anyhow. What does that mean? He had no reason to expect that he would father a child at this age and that Sarah could conceive and bear a child at her age who had been barren as a young woman. But by faith... He expected anyway. <laughs> Faith will expect things that there's no reason in the natural. Huh? To expect. In this situation, Jesus has already been nailed to the tree. And the two uh, malefactors, they're called, the, the thieves are crucified. One on each side of him. And in Luke 23... Down about verse 40 or so. Well, verse 39. It says, And one of the malefactors, well, that means evildoer, which were hanged, railed on him and said, If you be the Christ, if, save yourself and us. So does he believe anything? No. He's just in anguish and frustration and everything else, saying these things, railing on the Lord. But the other one answered and rebuked him and said, Do you not fear God? You know, talking to him the way you are. Do you not fear God, seeing you're in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. So they must have done some bad things. He acknowledges you know, we deserve this. They were bad people. They had done heinous crimes. And now they've, they received capital punishment. They've been executed. They're being executed. We receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And here a marvelous thing happens. He turns his head. <laughs> and he says to the Lord Jesus... Hanging just feet away from him in an agony on the cross. He said uh, unto Jesus, Lord, Lord means he believes something. Right? <laughs> Lord, remember me when. Everybody say when. 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 Not if. See, when you're really in, in what the Bible calls hope, there is no if. That's right. Amen. Right. 
It's just when. <laughs> it's not happening right now, and you don't know exactly uh, the timing, but you are expecting it confidently, fully persuaded, expecting it that it will happen. This is a marvelous thing. This man, this criminal, this worst, one of the worst of criminals, who said to himself out of his own mouth, he said, I deserve this from what I've done. So, so he's done some very bad things. But he turns his head and he says to the master, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Oh, marvelous spirit of grace. Him, the terrible man that he was and had been, found faith in his heart in his dying moments. And he found hope. I said he found hope. He turned and said to the Lord, can you see, even though he didn't say it all, there are volumes in this. He's saying, I believe you're not just a man dying like us. I believe that there's something past this. I believe you're going to come into your kingdom. And when you do, oh, somebody help me out. When you do, would you remember me? And in the midst of everything else that was going on and everything that was happening in Jesus and on Jesus, he responded specifically to this man's glorious hope. Come on, can you see it? He turned and he said to him, verily. How many know verily means heaven and earth can pass away, but this is going to happen. Verily I say to you, Today or this day, you shall be with me in paradise. Oh, does it pay to believe? Does it pay to have the glorious hope? Do you have this glorious hope about you? Others have scoffed. Unbelievers have blasphemed, even people that are supposedly so educated with their degrees. They said, oh, this talk about him coming again century after century has passed. And it's just people's superstition and just their religion. No, he's coming again. How many have this glorious hope in your bosom? He is coming again. He's coming again. And there shall be a resurrection. Do you believe it? Those that are in the grave are going to come forth. And those that are alive and remain, they're going to be changed. In fact, I need to read it to you. I said I need to read it to you. Put up 1 Thessalonians 4.13 up on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Don't be ignorant about this. Concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others, which what? When you got hope, you don't grieve like other people grieve. You're not depressed like other people are depressed. Why? You're not hopeless. You have hope. Confident, certain and sure expectation. You don't sorrow as others that have no hope. Next verse. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many say, I have chosen to believe that? Come on, let me see. Put your hand. I choose to believe it. It's a choice. 
If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. They're not in the grave, they're with him. Their body's in the grave. And they're coming back with him. He's going to bring them back. What a glorious hope. Keep reading. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or shall not go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, himself, shall descend from heaven with a shout. How many say it's going to happen? It's going to, it's going to happen. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. It's going to happen. Do you believe it? Can you say like that man that was hanging beside him, not if it's going to happen, when? When this happens. Oh, I'm glad I came to church this morning. Verse 17, next verse. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Oh, flying without an airplane. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. Not if. Not if. When? When? That's hope. That's Bible hope. That's glorious hope. Keep reading. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, anytime we got a loved one, we got a friend, we got an acquaintance that's left this life, that's left this body, that knew the Lord, go home to be with the Lord, we need to stand around. Uh, if it's the funeral home, or if it's the home, or if it's the graveside, and we need to be talking about when. Yes. <laughs> when. <laughs> Not sorrowing like people that have no hope. We need to be talking about when. We're going to see them again when the Lord's going to come, when the trumpet's going to sound, when they're going to rise, when, when, when. That is the glorious hope of the resurrection. Let me read some things to you. Uh, uh, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 6. You don't have to turn there. But 1 Corinthians 6 said, God, 14, God has raised up the Lord and will also raise up us. By his own power. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says the same thing. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus. If, the Bible said if you believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead, then you need to believe he's going to raise you up too. Just like he raised him up, he's going to raise you up. How many have that hope? You, you believe it. The Bible calls this the blessed hope. It says in 1 Peter 1, it is an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Ever-living hope. So we can make it a few more days with this to look forward to. You know, for us Christians, for us believers, this is as rough as it gets. <laughs> this life, what's going on right now, is as hard, is as bad, is as rough as it gets. And by the greater one inside us, we're winning. Right. We're overcoming. Right. 
And it don't last long. And then there's the glorious hope. The resurrection. So we see the faith of God in the resurrection of Jesus. And we see the hope of God in the resurrection of Jesus. Let's look at this last one that's called the greatest one. Faith, hope, and what else? Love. Love. Go with me, please, to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Matthew 28. Oh, the Lord's helping us today. How many believe he's here? Yes, he said, if you'll meet together, my name focused on me. He said, there I am, right there in the midst of you. He is here. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. It talks about how that the, uh, the angel of the Lord came down and rolled back the stone. And uh, the angel in verse 5, he said to the women, there were several women that came there. <clears throat> the Bible in Luke mentions Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women. There were several. <clears throat> and the angels told these women, he said, I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Verse 6 he is not here. <laughs> you know, their religions all over the world can take you to their founder's tomb. And they've got it decorated with great pomp and circumstance. And they can show you where their founder's body lies. We can't do that. <laughs> oh, because he's not there. I said he's not there. He's physically risen from the dead. Physically. Someone says, well, are you sure? Yeah. Yes, this is big. It's not okay to say, well, you know, maybe it's a spiritual, maybe it's a medical, physical. Uh-uh. No, no, listen. If you don't believe that Jesus is physically raised from the dead, you're lost. Now, some things, you know, is not that big of an issue whether you believe or not. This is. You must believe he's born of a virgin. And you must believe he physically died on the cross. Yes, he was really dead. And you must believe he was physically, physically raised from the dead. People say, well, I just, don't, I just can't believe that. Wrong. You choose not to believe it. It's a choice. You could believe it if you would. But the Bible tells us that after he had raised from the dead, he appeared to the disciples and they were just shocked, you can tell. And they, the Bible said they were affrighted and thought they were seeing a spirit. And remember what he said? He said, no, touch me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone like you see me have. So they felt him. You could feel his hand. You could feel his shoulder just like you could feel mine or your own. And they were still looking at him bug-eyed because <laughs> they knew he was dead. And he says this. He says, you got anything to eat around here? You remember that? They said, uh, 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 yeah, Lord, you want something to eat? We got some raw fish. We got some honey. He said, give it to me. And he put it in his mouth. Now, this is an interesting thing. He put natural food to be just like the food on your table in his glorified mouth and ate it and swallowed it. 
Now, this is good news for a lot of people that you'll still get to eat (laughs) after you're glorified. Oh, you see how happy everybody got? That's one of the biggest swells we've had all day. Somebody said, glory to God. (laughs) But no, he didn't raise spiritually, metaphysically. No, physically. There is a man in a flesh and bone body that you can touch just like this, sitting at the right hand of majesty on high in glory, and he calls you brother. And the Bible tells us that God's going to change our body just like Jesus' glorified body. It's going to be just like that. Just like that. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go back to our text here. I got carried away for a minute. Matthew 28, he told the women, he said, he's risen. Uh, He's not here. And he said, go quickly and tell his disciples. He's going before you to Galilee. They departed, verse 8, quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And they did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. They're running back with this amazement and joy thinking, glory to God. They just saw an angel. And the angel said, he's risen. And they're running and and there he is. (laughs) There he is. Now I want you to see their response. Jesus met them and said, all hell. Now that's that's King James (laughs) in Old English. But he greeted them. And they came, and notice what they did. What did they do? They held him by the feet and worshipped him. True worship involves love. The, the, the literal meanings of the word worship, uh, one, one phrase means to kiss towards and it's almost like a, like a dog putting his head up against your leg. We, we were reading about John just a few minutes ago. He said, I'm the one the Lord loves. That's right. That was his claim to fame. <laughs> and he said, hey, I'm writing this. I put it in there if I want to. That's right. right? And we see of the last moments he spent with the Lord before he went to the cross. Did you see where he was? Huh? As close as he could get, wasn't he? His head was laid up against the master's uh, chest, wasn't he? Why? I don't think it wasn't because they, they didn't have enough room around the couch there. They were too crowded. I don't believe that's what it was. Do you believe that he loved the Lord? Do you believe these women loved the Lord? What are they, can you see their expression? They see the risen master and their first response and reaction is to fall on their feet and, and grab his feet and worship it. This is not just intellectual assenting that, yes, I guess he did raise from the dead. No, they love him. 
Come on, can you see this, friend? They love him. They're holding on to his feet. Can, can you imagine the joy that is coursing through their soul? They thought they lost him. They thought he was gone forever. They thought it was all over. And here he is. Here he is. He's alive. And they can touch him. And they can feel him. And they're worshiping him. You know, the Bible didn't tell everything they said. But what does it mean when you're worshiping him? Oh, they're, they're telling him how much they're, how glad they are that he's here. How much they love him. How much he means to them. They are worshiping him. There's faith. There's hope. There's love. And the greatest of these, not faith, not hope, as great as they are. What's the greatest of these? Love. Somebody say love. Being born again means you have met him. Doesn't mean you know all there is to know about him, but when you're born again, you experience him. You don't believe in Jesus like you believe in Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and figures and you have great respect for what he... You can tell sometimes when people are talking, they don't know him. They talk about him like some historical figure. No, to know him is to love him. And the Bible said the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. I got a question for you today. Do you love him? Yes. I said, well, I, you know, I, I think he was, he's very important. That means you don't know him. You need to be born again. Because when you're born again, you've met him. How many can raise a hand and say, yes, I've been born again. And yes, I know when you experience him, you experience love. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Where did that love come from? It's the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost when you're born again. It's the love that he is. It's the love for him and for his children. Do you love him? I said, do you love the Lord Jesus? Do not, not just a matter of, yes, I mentally uh, agree that he's a great uh, teacher in, in his teachings and his ways and set standards for us to live by. No, we know right away you don't know him. You need to be born again. And friend, if Jesus is not real to you, faith is a choice. All you've got to do. If you're in the building today, if you're watching by internet, if you hear or see this later, all you've got to do is say, Lord, I believe you're real. The Bible said he that comes to God must believe that he is and you must believe that he's good, that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The Bible said knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. And if any man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But, but let me, I'm quoting it to you, but put it up on the screen for us. In 1 Corinthians 8 and 1, first he said knowledge puffs up, but love does what? Love builds up. It's not, not a matter of having a head full of stuff. It's having a heart full. Right? Love builds up. Love edifies. Verse 2. 
Verse 2, if any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet, as he ought to know. The, the, some folks think they know so much, think, they, think they're so smart. But that's not the thing that, that causes God to see you and know you and relate to you because you're so smart. Are you kidding? How ignorant we must be compared to him who created the heavens and the earth and the stars who's been around forever. He's kind to us. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? It'd be like a little child coming and telling their brilliant parents something. And you look at them and go, oh, that's great, honey. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. They found out one plus one equals two. <laughs> and you invented the supercomputer. <laughs> you can write code in your sleep. But you look at them and go, that's right. You're smart. That's God with us every day of the right. week. Do you understand? <laughs> we come up with these great, amazing things, and he's going, oh, that's good, baby. That's good. <laughs> but compared to what he sees and knows. <laughs> so you're never going to impress God with what you know. Never. Never. I tell you what, we'll reach him. I tell you what, we'll, we'll reach him. Put that back up there. It said knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If any man thinks he knows anything, he doesn't know. He knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But verse 3, but if any man what? Love. Oh, here it is. If any man what? Love. If you love God, the same is what? It's not your smarts that's going to reach him and make him notice you. But if you love him and your heart reaches out to him and you draw near to him, he will draw near to you and he knows you. And that word know has to do with experience. Oh, thank God. We talked about the choice to believe. I choose to believe. Jesus is real. I choose to believe he died for my sins. He raised from the dead. And I do embrace that glorious hope. I believe he's coming back. I believe the resurrection is going to happen. I believe the trumpet's going to sound. I do have that hope. But the greatest of all is that you love him with all your heart. Just like those women fell down and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Did they love him? Yes. Do you love him? Yes. I'm telling you, to know him is to love him. The more you find out about him, the more you will love him. And if you're indifferent and cold and intellectual about it, it just means you haven't met him. You don't know him. And old friend, don't go another day like that. You can meet him. He's in this place right now. You can receive him. He'll respond to you. He'll reveal himself to you. And you can be just like they were those many years ago. You can be holding on to his feet, worshiping him today. Do you believe it, yes, sir? Stand on your feet, everybody.